Welcome to Season 5 of Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven. I'm your host, Kathleen McPhail. I am an architect practicing in Massachusetts. My passion is old houses, new technologies, and sustainability. Previous seasons of this podcast have featured many vendors, subcontractors, architects, designers, covering many aspects of renovations and hiring professionals to help. In this season, I'll be focusing on collecting even more renovation stories because we can all learn from each other and I just can't resist talking to people about their houses. This week's episode is another renovation story and I spoke with M. Kinghorn, who is the force behind Old House Omaha on TikTok and Instagram. She's an historic home enthusiast and antique aficionado who breathes life into forgotten gems Restoring a home built in 1896 in Omaha, Nebraska, her husband, Ben, and their two dogs, Winifred and Bemis, are along for the ride. She's been sharing the journey on social media, bringing followers along on antique halls, the viral ballerina wallpaper saga, and all the weird things that go along with uncovering the home's history. This was one of those interviews that went on long after we stopped recording, and I wish I had recorded that part. I enjoyed hearing about Em's experiences and the special aspects of her house. Here's my conversation with Em. Welcome to the show, Em. I'm glad you could join me today. Thanks. I'm very excited. One of my favorite things about houses is the stair. And I need, mm-hmm. I just need to get right to that just to say, <laughs> I, I hope I'm going to hear about that stair because that is, I would buy a house just for that stair, honestly. And um, that, yeah. That little sitting area at the bottom of it with the fireplace. Yeah, it's just perfect. The listing photo didn't have a picture of that stained glass window. Why? Like, there was, I don't know, like that would have sold me. I didn't even have to see the house if I had seen the stained glass window. So yeah. we walk through and we see this beautiful, I mean, you've seen the stairs. It's beautiful. Yeah. And we come around the corner and it's just like, it's, it's a beautiful hour. It's a golden hour. So the, like the light's streaming down and like my heart just stopped and I'm like, all right, well, I'm sold. I don't care if the rest of the house is falling <laughs> down. Like I'm having the stained glass window in my life for the rest of my life. So yeah, um, yeah I can't believe they didn't put that on the listing photo. That seems like an essential photo for the house but hey it saved me from other people <laughs> yeah yeah it did yeah I some people don't want to highlight the old kind of the old details of the house because it makes it seem dated I mean dated to what like 1896 I mean that's okay with yeah. me I think these old houses go through a period where people aren't appreciating them for their oldness and so for sure they make these improvements that are kind of not honoring the history of the house, but just to modernize it, you know, whether it's changing out trim mm-hmm. or just trying to erase the the old feeling in the house because that yeah, meant like yeah. they couldn't afford a better house. But now, thankfully, there are a lot, lot of appreciation for these old, old vibes. Yeah, I feel like the houses that are done in like the really nice ones that are done in the 60s and 70s are having that happen to them right now mm. of the tearing out and all of that. So it's kind of interesting to see like living through the moment of what people at that time in the 40s, 50s, who were doing a lot of demolition to the houses of what they were thinking. Yeah. Tell me about how you ended up in Omaha. Did you grow up there? And I did not grow up here. I actually grew up in Kansas City. Um, I met my husband through a mutual friend. Um, she was my best friend I met in Europe. And we went to the same grad party because he was her childhood best friend. And uh, we just hit it off. And he's from Omaha, grew up in Omaha, lived here his whole entire life. And he has a family business. And so it was just kind of that decision of like, well, what you do is very specialized and I can get a job anywhere because I'm marketing and business. So um, we decided to move to Omaha. And it's 
it's been amazing. Like Omaha is a very underrated city for sure. There's a great food that's small enough that you can get anywhere, but you still have the city and we have like electric bikes and we get to go bike around the city and go find new spots and um, biking around old houses is really fun to get to be up close to them and see them. So it's been great. I think Omaha is definitely a hidden gem for sure. Is this your first house? It is not. I had right out of college, I bought a 1964 split level. I was the second owner mm-hmm. ever. So like it had original shag carpet. It had all the all the things that were, I guess what we were talking about, if not exactly great, especially shag, you just shouldn't have carpet for 60 years either. That's just shouldn't it is kind of gross. I mean, it is objectively gross, isn't it? I mean, yeah, I don't know if the 40 years from now self is going to be saying, well, it was so short-sighted not to like shag carpeting, but it seems like carpeting, wall-to-wall carpeting, it just gathers all of the stuff underneath. It's just gross. It's having, full of stuff. Having been a person that lifted up shag carpeting, no one should have shag carpeting. <laughs> yeah, I think anybody who's lifted up a, sh- a wall-to-wall carpet is not going to want one again in their house. No, that that became a really quick thing of like, no more carpeting ever, ever again <laughs> after that experience. So yeah, we fixed that one up. And then um, this house came, was our pandemic project. And mm. so that's, that's how it came about. And I'd been working from home um, prior to the pandemic. And I think that most people really quickly realized how small their houses actually are <laughs> once you live there all the time, like literally never leave. Yeah. And so um I was like, I need an office. Like, this is not working. And so I had just put on realtor.com like a hundred year plus house like alert with like all of my dream stuff because I wasn't going to move for just anything. And so this house popped up and it was, it was really kind of fate. There's a lot of really weird coincidences with this house that have made it feel like this, this is our house. Like what? I guess to start. When we were looking at houses before, we had driven through this neighborhood. This is the neighborhood when I was dating Ben that I drove by all the time. And was always like, that would be a really cool place to like, that would be a cool neighborhood. That would, that would be my dream. Um, we went to thought, we went to see another house and Ben was just like, no, like, that's just too much. It didn't have a garage. Like it was just not. And I mean, we're getting seven inches of snow right now. So like you kind of need a garage in Omaha. And so um, I was really disappointed. And as we were driving back around the loop of the neighborhood, he's like, well, that one would be really cool. If that one ever went up for sale, that that would be the one I'd Your want. Your house right now. And that's this house. Oh, yeah. okay. Perfect. Yeah. And then to like the other really weird part is like one of the original owners have like our same wedding anniversary. Oh, that is weird. They, yeah. They, their last name is the same name as my husband's godparents. Like. Mm like last name and they're from Wisconsin. My whole family grew up in Wisconsin, except for me. So like, it's just like a lot of weird little through lines of the things that are just like that. Yeah. That's weird. Like that. They, like they picked us kind of thing. The house picked us. So. Yeah. 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 That's exciting. So did it need a lot of work? I mean, you fell in love with it. You were going to buy it anyway, but did you then find out what you needed to do? Yeah. So I think um, everyone's delusional kind of when you, first are looking at a house you're like oh we can do all of this in like a year and it'll be great and whatever and then you get into it and you're like oh this this is a lot more work than I planned on I'd say aesthetically it was okay like they had put lipstick on a pig kind Mm -hmm. of thing like they hadn't really gotten to the root of the issues so like instead of taking off the wallpaper from the 80s they just painted over it so there was a lot of like finding out okay well 
I guess we're going to have to strip wallpaper now because it doesn't look like there's any wallpaper, but there was definitely a lot. Like every room had wallpaper we had to strip. And then you find out like as you're stripping wallpaper, like, oh, in this one particular room and only in this particular room did they put up this like cardboard drywall that melts when you steam off the wallpaper. Oh, boy. You got to fix that. So I think in a roundabout way, like, it didn't, you could have moved in, like, it was fine, you could have lived with it, but if you wanted it to be what this house can be, like, it's been a lot of work. Wow. How did you get all the wallpaper off? I need to do that myself, and I'm wondering if you have a, a steamer. It's a lot. I, steamers are, like, like they've been the best, and steamers also helped us preserve some of the wallpaper that we've been trying, like, so in one of the rooms, and if you've been on TikTok, you've known the ballerina room. Yeah. Um, what people don't know yet is like, cause I haven't shared it is, um, the ballerina wallpaper is off now and it's in solid rolls now because of how we steamed it off. So oh, wow. it's preserved. Wow. It's, it's there. There's not enough of it to be able to like put it back onto the walls or do anything like that, but it is preserved and able to be scanned and replicated and do all the things. So, um, Very cool. that's awesome. Steaming, steaming's my favorite, I think, cause the gel is just gross. Yeah. It's, it's just, so messy. It's, very messy. The other thing, if you're steaming, is to make sure that you protect your woodwork underneath, your, like your board baseboards, because mm. it just rains down water. And if you're like our house, you probably have 12 to 15 layers of paint as well that will start coming off as well. So yeah, protect your baseboard. <laughs> yeah. And little bits of glue um, and sticky bits of paper that get stuck. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, not a fun project to do. It's not my favorite at all. No, but it's kind of satisfying in a way if you get the kind of paper that comes off pretty easily and just in like big sheets. It's kind of fun. Yeah. Kind of fun. But yeah, yeah. Uh, protecting the baseboards is a good idea. Good reminder. Yeah. It's yeah. I'm just looking around reminder. this room that I'm in right now and they painted they painted over all the wallpaper in this room. And I, I can see at least four layers over there. And it may be the cardboard stuff that you're talking about, actually, too, on the wall. It has that kind of craft paper look to it. And Does yeah. it go over the baseboards? Does it have like a lip? Well, my baseboards, this is a pretty old house. So I think it's like barely has a lip, but there's a lot less lip okay. over there than there is over here. So maybe they just added on top of plaster. Yeah, because yeah. that's what happened in our living room. And that's what we didn't notice it. Because you don't notice that until you're like really in there trying to do it. And it's like a solid quarter inch over the woodwork was yeah. ours. And it was yeah, it was. So when we took it all off, it was like, oh, this is what that room's supposed to look like. And you didn't notice it until you really got in it. But then you're like, oh, that that would be good to not have. And it was uneven, too. Like it wasn't level. But yep. yeah. Yeah. You know, as I talk to people about their old houses and we think about what other people have done, I brought this up a few times where we are in the history of the house and someday we won't live in these houses anymore. And people in the future who maybe haven't been born yet will be talking about us and what we did hopefully in a good way in a good way yeah that's that's one of my biggest things I've been asked a lot of like what you keep and how do you decide what you keep and what you don't and it's like you want to be the good footnote in this whole um yeah era of the house you want to be the one that's like we really did a good job and you know that's it's hard to always be able to see 127 years into the future because I mean we can see what 127 years ago looked like but to know what what's going to be needed and what appliances we should plan for and like a kitchen remodel and stuff like that. It's not always easy to mm. know. Yeah, it's true. Especially because it's hard to imagine the future just by our natures. So it's easier yeah. to look at the past, obviously. 
Okay. How was the house structurally? Was it, was it pretty sound? It was pretty sound. Um, we did have an engineer come out when we were in the buying process of it with um, negotiations because our basement's all brick and it's kind of a wonky brick and they had been fixed in certain areas and not fixed in others. And then we had this, there's this really cool coal room off of our basement that is bowing considerably. I mean, like it, it looks, it's kind of scary. And so we were like, if that's structural, like that's not good. We can't do that. And it ended up just being the, one of the gas containers for all the gasoliers in the house was mm. left in the ground oh. and was just pushing on it. So that's why it's curved perfectly at the size of like a gas container. Oh. Yeah. So like they came out and checked that. And I would say structures when it just gets scary, expensive and scary, scary. I would really make sure that you have the people in line before looking like before looking at an old house to make sure that you want to know people who know old houses because they're not just like you're not they're not built like they were today and so knowing the people in the trade that are familiar with it have been around them who know what's normal and what's like the one engineer said to us like if this was like if this was a 10 year old house and this is bowing like this I'd have major concerns but the fact this is 120 something I don't have as many concerns because that's that's what happens after 120 years. Yeah. Yeah, it is so. important to have people who know, especially people like inspectors. Yes. Who might, somebody doesn't know very much about old houses or how houses go together. They could be really freaked out by the inspector saying, this is Boeing and this foundation needs to be replaced and blah, blah, blah. You know, so it, yeah. can, it can get a little bit scary. So yeah, maybe we should back up a second to have you describe the house because I have seen it and everything. So I feel like I already know the house but for people who haven't seen any of your tiktoks or instagram tell me about your house so our house was built in 1896 it's like a neoclassical colonial our neighborhood can't decide what style all the houses want to be they're usually a mixture of different styles um we live in a landmark district so every house around us is protected and so there's a lot of original details we have a lot of mature trees um the house is like a mustard yellow (laughs) which is Interesting. I don't know if that color will always be a mustard yellow, but it yeah. is for now. I thought you were going to paint it. We are going to paint it. Okay. It's it's on the list of things. We have a very long list that started yeah. of exterior updates, but um, we have all the original siding of our house, which is pretty cool. And um, we have one of the most beautiful front doors, I think, of the whole house. You it's kind do. of like a hobbit hole-looking door. That is a perfect front door in my mind. It, it is, is beautiful. It has beautiful hardware, and it's a very interesting door. It's awesome Yeah, door. the yep. hinges are the same size as my hand. Like, they're <laughs> that big. It's just huge. I had one, like, just speaking about contractors of not being, you know, getting ones that know what they're talking about. One guy had like, oh, that door's kind of leaky. Like maybe you should have a new front door. And I'm like, um, I don't think we're on the same page about what this house is. Yeah, definitely. So that kind of nixed him right away. <laughs> I'm like, no. Um, so we have, I think it's kind of a typical, not four square, but it's pretty typical layout. You walk in, there's a fireplace to the left with a built-in library kind of thing, which I think is from the 20s because it has a little whiskey hidey hole Mm -hmm. in it, which is kind of fun. And then to the right is our like formal parlor with a stained glass window. And then if you look straight back, it's our dining room. And with and all of this is pocket doors galore, Mm -hmm. which is really fun. And then we have a really different staircase, I think, than most people do. It kind of like spills out onto the floor and it's circular which is a little different. 
And then we've got a door to the basement right beside it, which a lot of people always wonder what that door is. It's just good for the basement. It's not as exciting as it could be. <laughs> um, and then you, there's another room behind the parlor. That's our, what we call our media room. It has like all of our like modern electronic stuff in it because we do play video games and watch TV. It is 2023. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. um, and that has the really cool William Morris wallpaper that mm. I found that has updated color schemes. And so, so it's not from like the 1870s anymore. It has a modern color scheme, but it's still the same design. Oh, very cool. So we have film stick wallpaper in that room, which was a process to figure out and try to figure out which one you're going to do because you're not going to do this multiple times because yeah. it's right. expensive. And you also you know, you have to love it. You have to love wallpaper. It's not, it's not a, like, it's not a trend. You have to really love it because you're going to have it for a while. Um, but then you go through and you have, um, our dining room, which has some really cool, like, it's not Lincrusta. It's, it's like an indent in the plaster, which you can only see in certain times because, that, that room has taken a lot of damage because that's where the butler's pantry would have been, but they converted it to a bathroom when the house was turned into apartments in the 50s. And so it's a little different than it was laid out wise. So it's the plaster is kind of messed up in certain areas. Yeah. When we go redo our kitchen and stuff, like a lot of that will get fixed. But that that's a little bit more of a major project that you have to have a lot of planning for, yeah. which we just haven't had the time to do because it's it's a lot yeah that is that is a major undertaking tell me about the house being turned into apartments in the 50s so it went from originally it was a single family house in the yes. 1890s and it looks like it was a pretty prosperous family who lived there judging yes. by the details yes so unfortunately the original builders and architects are all lost the city destroyed a lot of our records yeah. um in the 70s unfortunately so that's kind of ambiguous of who was here and how it came to be. But by 1908, we have records again that are coming back. And the main guy who bought it from the original owners was a huge real estate broker and was selling land all over the place. I believe in Mexico, but I have to I'd have to rethink, make check my sources again. And then it was inherited by their daughter and son-in-law who were doctors. And they had the house until 1954. Around that time, in general in the country, especially in Omaha, though, there was a major housing shortage after the war. People had their GI bills, like all the things. And so um, this area in particular really got, I mean, it was really hard to hold on to this big of a house. Mm. Um, and so when it was sold in 54, it was converted into apartments. And so that's when a lot of like different architectural details you start to see coming into the house that were taken away some of the pillars were taken out. Um, the fireplace in the front was changed. You added some arches, some things in the basement were changed. And it lived as apartments in lower and upper for probably till the 70s or 80s. Mm. And then another family came in and converted it back. So you have about, I'd say at this point, you have three major renovations that have happened to this house that have changed either slight layout things or have changed different ways things function. So it's kind of like peeling back the 80s renovation that was like to fix it to come back. It's peeling back the 50s renovation of like taking out all the like really ornate stuff because that wasn't popular. And then there's also, I believe, one in the 20s when they put in electricity, mm. like fully yeah. all that electric because we had electricity 
we went, we found that out and we replaced all of our light stuff to make sure it was all up to code Mm. that it still had the gas thing, but it also had the electric. Mm. That was kind of an interesting, so we have always had electricity, but they went through and added a lot more in the twenties. So it's peeling back all those layers and then trying to determine how old is good. Like, do you keep the stuff from the twenties or do you really just try to go all the way back? Yeah. That is always a question. You know, someday some people are going to like the 80s stuff, like that ballerina wallpaper, whatever you had. Obviously, you love antiques, as I can tell by your TikTok. So had you always planned on buying an old house and fixing it up? Is that like, was that a thing that just happened? So I was a weird kid who read my history textbook in fifth grade from cover to cover because I just loved it. Mm -hmm. It was just something that was so interesting to me. And but funny enough, I really hated antiques at that point. Like I thought they were creepy. Like they're dead people stuff. Like that's creepy. When you're 10, that's kind of, you don't have a lot of history yourself. Yeah, it's kind of creepy. I don't know. It was like probably in high school that I started really loving antiques, especially Um, really started getting into it. In college, I started restoring them. Um, but as a kid, I think I always loved the big main, like the big house on Main Street. That was like, you know, this beautiful Victorian with all the colors and all the things. Mm-hmm. And it's slowly like that was like a small, like subconscious thing. And then when I really started doing antiques and started watching shows about people restoring these old houses and doing things that really just clicked of like, that's something I'd really like to do. That's that's a really big goal of mine. Um, and then the pandemic hit and it was like, well, you know why wouldn't I just do this? I mean, normally we'd, we were saving money for trips and doing stuff like that, but it's like, we don't know how long this thing's going to last. And like, we weren't buying the whole, what was it? Six weeks or seven weeks and it will be over thing. Right. So it was just kind of, it's been a lifelong dream, but I never thought I'd actually be able to do it yeah. probably until the pandemic hit. Right. Yeah. Well, the pandemic was um, interesting in that way that it changed people's ideas of what was possible in so many different ways. Yeah. You know? So do you do most of the work yourself? Yes, I've done all of it myself. We hired our first contractor that's doing work right now on our soffits. So that was our that was a big step of like hiring somebody to do something and trying to trust somebody to, you know, take care of. Because I mean, this is like anybody who puts their blood, sweat, and their tears into anything, it's like their baby. Yeah. And so like you don't want to hurt it. You don't want to like mess it up or have them do something irreparable that can't be fixed. And so you know, picking the right people is really hard. It is really hard. Do you have any advice about that? I think it's just being really well connected in your community of people who enjoy old houses, who also have old houses, who deal in old houses. Um, So we found ours through a designer who works in doing old designs and things like that. And they worked a lot with them. And so it was like, well, yeah, you know, and we talked with them a lot and they own an old house. And so it just kind of felt like, you get what's going on here. You know that this isn't your typical gut it and put up something fresh and beautiful. Like this is, we're retaining what we have. We're making things more beautiful. We're bringing things back. We're not just slapping something up here. It's a little different. And so I'd say really just find a realtor who specializes in old houses in your area, even if it's in your county rather than in your city or something like that can make a huge difference because they're going to be really well connected to everybody. That is very true. And they, appreciate the same thing they appreciate your house which yeah. which is big you know it just occurred to me i had never thought about it in this way before but yeah our houses are like our babies and then finding a babysitter like when you have kids yeah. looking for a babysitter there are certain red flags you say i'm no way am i leaving my kid with you yeah. similar thing with people working on your house i think yeah 
Yeah. I hadn't thought of it that way before. So how did you decide to start the TikTok just because the TikTok account? Um, well, I'm in marketing, so oh, that makes sense. it was actually just an experiment for my other, for my real job of like trying to see what is this TikTok thing? Like this, I mean, it was still really new when I started. I started in July of 2020. So, I mean, that was before most people were on it. And I don't know, I just felt like it was an experiment, but then it started to like be like, I'm finding people that also love old houses mm-hmm. and also love antiques and love things. And I think as a kid, when you're the weird kid who loves history, which no kid loves history as, you know, a kid to find other people who are like you. And it was really exciting to find those people and have conversations and to see people be like, oh, I'll have to try that at my house. Or like, I see something from somebody else. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to talk to you about when I redo this. Like you totally have already done it. You know what you're doing. So it started as an experiment and just really turned into something that I genuinely enjoy doing. There's always your moments where you have mean people (laughs) that you have to deal with. It's really hard. And so like last year was a really hard year just personally for my family. We had a lot of things like cancer and death, (laughs) just a lot of awful things. And so I took a step back from posting. I was still doing a lot of work on the house, but it was just like mean people didn't have a space (laughs) for me. (laughs) Like I didn't have a space for mean people. So yeah, but I've genuinely enjoyed doing it. I've loved all the things that have come out of doing it and sharing it and being able to talk about my love of things. And I definitely have a passion for old stuff and stories. And it's just been really fun. So how can people follow you there? I'm at Old House Omaha on Instagram and TikTok. And you have a lot of TikTok followers at this point, right? Do you? I'm looking at your... I haven't checked in a minute, honestly. All right. Well, I don't know what you would consider to be a lot, but 84,000 followers, is, it seems like a lot of people. Yeah. Can you imagine having that many people over to your house to say, here, look at my new wallpaper. That would be impossible. No, yeah. So many people. There was, a, there was a moment when I hit, I think, 50,000 on TikTok that I was like, I could sell out a stadium. Yeah. Like, Isn't that crazy? That was kind of a crazy moment of like, wow, that's that's kind of weird. And the other thing, cool thing, I guess, that I didn't mention is that how many different people around the world also like old houses yeah. have been really cool. You know, talking to people in Italy and Poland and like that they all are excited too about it has been really cool. Yeah. Instagram and TikTok are my main ones. I post to Instagram lately more um, just because it's been easier. But you you can find me on both. And I'm, I have a lot of daily stories of fun things that go on. Thank you so much for sharing your your house with all of us all the time and for coming on today and yeah it was really fun i love i love talking old houses there's nothing better in a day than talking old houses yeah and i just imagined myself having a drink there by the fire at your entry that is just a great space it's it's wonderful i it's it's a dream i I sometimes have to pinch myself that i live here (laughs) Thank you for listening, and thank you so much for sharing this show with your friends. It is growing all the time, and I really appreciate that. I would love to hear from you if you have anything to say about this episode or past episodes, good or bad, or a suggestion for a new episode. Send me an email at thehousemaven at talkinghomerenovations.com. Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven is a proud member of Gable Media, the most engaged AEC network on the planet. Check out my other show and all the rest of the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L-M-E-D-I-A.com. And until next time, take it easy.